Well, good morning, Southwood. My name is Jacob Smith. I'm the teaching pastor here at our campus, uh, and I want to welcome you to Grace. If you're new here, uh, you have joined us on a very uh, unique Sunday where we are not just singing praises to the Lord, not just studying His Word, but also celebrating the first advent, the first coming of Jesus Christ. And and this is a really amazing time for us uh, because we recognize that in this season— There's so much to get excited about. There's so much that we can feel joy about, but really what it all focuses in on, what it's all really truly about is Jesus Christ. And so as we continue to open, or as we start to open the word of God and study its truth, uh, if you would, please join me in prayer. God, we thank you that you've given us this morning, got a chance to pull away and to look to you and to hear from you. And so God, we pray that as we read your word, as we study this amazing story from Luke chapter one and two, that God, that it would fill our hearts with joy, that God, you would fill our hearts with joy, that we would appreciate the amazing gift that you've given us in Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen, amen. Well, as I said, uh, this morning we are looking at the birth of Jesus Christ, and as we do that, uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 and 2. So if you have your Bible, if you want to go there on your phone, we'll also have the verses on the screen, Uh, but Luke chapter 1 and 2 is where we're going to be spending our time this morning, and we're going to be looking at the joy that God has given us in Jesus Christ. And this is an amazing thing, right? It's what we just sang about. We just sang about how we are made by God to experience and express joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And so we know that joy comes from the Lord. Joy literally is just, it's a gladness of the heart and soul that comes from the Lord, that God gives to us. So yes, it's a feeling. Yes, it's, it's, it's an experience. It's an it's a emotion. And yet, it's also a feeling. It's an emotion that comes from the Lord. That's what we're told in Scripture. And so all of us, as children of the Lord, we are all made to experience and express this incredible joy with or without hand motions, right? Either way, we are called to experience and express this joy. And this is what we see occur when Jesus was promised, when there was this amazing story in Luke chapter one and chapter two, where we don't just see even the promise of Jesus, but we see the promise of another baby, another child who would be named John. So if you look with me in Luke chapter one, we're starting in verse eight, and we're gonna see that in those days, there was a man named Zechariah, And Zechariah was serving as the priest before God. And when his division was on duty, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the holy place of the Lord and to burn incense. So Zechariah was one of the priests that served in the temple. uh, Their whole role, their whole lives were dedicated to serving God, of making offerings and sacrifices, of helping the people of Israel come near and, and know the Lord. And they were responsible for praying daily in in hopes that God would forgive the sin of Israel, that God would bless the work of Israel. And so that was what Zechariah did. And on this day in Luke 1, he was chosen to go in the holy place before the Lord to perform a special offering and burn incense. And when this happened, if you'll keep reading with me uh, in verse 10, we see that the whole crowd of people were praying outside at the hour of the incense offering. So while Zechariah goes in, everyone else is outside. But when Zechariah goes in, verse 11, an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense appeared to him. And Zechariah, visibly shaken when he saw the angel, was seized with fear. So Zechariah walks in this holy place. He's expecting it to just be himself and this altar to perform a sacrifice for the Lord to burn some incense. And yet when he goes in there, there's another person there. There's an angel that's standing right there in the holy place of God. 
And Zechariah, when he sees this angel, it's unexpected, but it's also somewhat terrifying. He's, he's filled with fear because he's like, I didn't know there was going to be a guy in here, right? Imagine if you just, you went home today and you walked in and an angel was standing next to your kitchen table. You'd be like, what is going on, right? Everyone would freeze. You might, you know, it's Texas, so maybe you've got some equipment for that, right? But you would be, you would be terrified that all of a sudden there's someone where you were not expecting them. And so Zechariah sees this angel and he's seized with fear. And so, of course, the angel then says to him in verse 13, don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will name him John. You will name him John and joy and gladness will come to you and many people will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Zechariah is told that not only has God heard his prayers that, that he would serve, that he would save Israel, but Zechariah, we now know, was also praying that he and his wife would have a son. And the angel says, God is going to answer both of those prayers. He's going to save Israel, and he's also going to give you a son, and you're going to name him John. And when he's born, it's not just you and your wife Elizabeth who are going to be joyous and, and happy and glad. He says, but all people, all many people will rejoice at his birth. Why? Because God's going to use him in a great and powerful way. So Zechariah hears this. And the angel continues and, and kind of starts sort of a little bit of a song talking about how great God is and how he's mighty to save. And Zechariah hears this song of praise. He hears this promise of a son. And he says to the angel in verse 18, he says, he says but, but how can I be sure of this? For I am an old man and my wife is old as well. And the angel responds to him. He says, I'm Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. So Zechariah gets this amazing promise, but, but he doesn't believe. He doubts. And so he's talking to the angel. He's like, I, just, I don't see how this is going to happen because I'm really old. I'm really, really old. I'm an old man. And then not only is it, is it enough for him to just kind of knock himself down a few pegs, but he goes and drags his wife into it too. He says, I'm old, but my goodness, my wife is really old as well. Right, don't tell her I told you, but she, neither of us are at this kind of kid age. And so the angel responds and says, listen, you can trust me because I'm, a, I'm Gabriel, right? I'm an angel of the Lord. I, I actually stand in the presence of God. I, I hear directly from him, and I was sent to you with this mission to speak this good news. He says, but because you didn't believe, Zechariah, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, he says, you will be silent, unable to speak until the day these things take place. He says, okay, so you didn't believe me. So because of that, you know, remember, I'm Gabriel, I'm from God, and now you, you're just going to be quiet for about nine months. That's, that's how this is going to work now, because you didn't believe me, which is pretty tough, right? Imagine being silent for nine months. That's a really long time. Just try being silent for a day. Like, maybe you're young here, and you're like, I could be silent for a whole day, but you won't, <laughs> but you can't. Your mom would love to see you try. <laughs> let's, let's see how that goes. The angel says, Zechariah, you're going to be silent for nine months until this baby is born, until all this comes, to uh, comes uh, into fruition. So this is all the people, we're told, were waiting for Zechariah, and they began to wonder why he was delayed in the holy place. But when he came out, he was not able to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the holy place because he was making signs to them and remained unable to speak. So here we have one of the first biblical instances of Christmas charades, right? It's an amazing moment. This is why you have to play it at some point over the holidays. Because 
this angel, because what he said is going to come true, he says, Zechariah, you're going to be quiet. And so when Zechariah goes out, all the people are like, dude, what happened? Like, why did you take so long? Like, what was going on in there? Zechariah, he couldn't speak to them. And so he tries to just, right, start, he's like, he's trying to communicate. And they're like, what, you saw a bird and a played football? Like, I don't understand. Like, what's, what's going on? And they didn't understand, but Zechariah knew, wow, this is really going to happen because I really can't speak. This is all coming true. And so he goes home and he communicates to his wife, probably writes it out, and, and they're excited that they're awaiting a baby. But what's amazing is that not only do we see the announcement of this baby named John, but then further in Luke, starting in verse 28, we see that the angel goes and talks to another person about another baby. Right? This is what we just read on stage with the kids. Verse 28 tells us that the angel that Gabriel came to Mary And he said, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled by his words and began to wonder about the meaning of this greeting. So angels, they're these big, magnificent beings. We just read a lot about them in the book of Revelation. We know that these angels, that they're, they're different from us. They're mighty and they're powerful. And so this, this angel appears to Mary, and she also, much like Zechariah, is troubled. She's like, oh, my goodness, like, what's going on? And so the angel, again, just like he did for Zechariah, says, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary, because you found favor with God. So listen, you will become pregnant, and you'll give birth to a son, and you'll name him Jesus, and he will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. The angel gives Mary this incredible promise, this incredible blessing, and Mary believes. She believes. She says, if God says this is going to happen, then it will. I trust that this will be, because the angel tells her, she says, God, nothing is impossible for the Lord. And she says, I believe that. I believe. And so she gets to keep talking. Good for Mary. And so what we do is we then fast forward. So this is about six months after uh, the angel appeared to Zechariah, because we're to- the angel tells Mary, he says, hey, you actually, your cousin Elizabeth, even though she's old, she actually is about six months pregnant with her own child. And so Mary, she's so excited that she's pregnant, she knows that her cousin's pregnant, that she goes to see Elizabeth. In those days, she got up and she went hurriedly into the hill country to a town of Judah and entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud voice, blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child in your womb. And who am I that the mother of my Lord should come and visit me? Elizabeth knows she's been given this special uh, knowledge from the Lord that Mary is pregnant with, with child, with, with a special child, with the one who'd be called the Son of God and the Lord Most High. And so that's why when Mary shows up, Elizabeth literally screams, like in the Greek, she is literally screaming, she says, blessed are you among women! Like what a great greeting, right? If you went to Grandma's house this Christmas, you walk in the door, blessed are you! <laughs> among all of my grandchildren. Have a cookie, right? Like, that would be amazing. She exclaims, she shouts at Mary, blessed are you among women that God has given you this incredible gift. And the, for the instant the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And so blessed is she who believed that what was spoken to her by the Lord would be fulfilled. So I love this because Elizabeth is affirming Mary, and as she affirms Mary's belief, I can't help but wonder if, you know, it's Zechariah's house. He's there. So I'd kind of like to think that he's just sort of standing over in the corner, and Elizabeth is giving a little dick, right? She's like, hey, you said I was old? Well, blessed is she who believed. 
Zechariah is like, right? Like, yeah, I guess good for her. Glad she can still talk. So blessed is Mary. They're, jo- they're already filled with joy at the news that God is sending his son. And so we, we cut forward yet again. We skip forward another about three months, and we find that the time came for Elizabeth to have her baby. And so she gave birth to a son. And her neighbors and relatives, they heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. Remember, that that's, that's what the angel promised. He says, there's going to be many people that are rejoicing for the birth of your son, Zechariah, that are going to be rejoicing for the birth of the son that will come from your wife, Elizabeth. And it's already coming into place. It's already happening. They're rejoicing with her that she's giving birth to this son. And so on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. Right? It makes sense. Like, they're like, hey, you're having this son, and, you know, old Zechariah, he's not talking anymore. We need a noisy Zechariah in the house. So let's name your son Zechariah. But his mother, Elizabeth, replied. She says, no, he must be named John. And they said to her, but none of your relatives bear this name. They're very confused. They're like, that doesn't make any sense. And so as she's saying, like, we, we, know, we want to name him John. They're like, no one, no one in your family is named John. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. And in fact, you know, if we, I forgot to mention that when Mary appeared to Elizabeth, not only did she you know, have this wonderful interaction, but as soon as Elizabeth blesses Mary, Mary launches into a song. Much like the angel when he appeared to Zechariah, Mary just launches into this big song about how great God is, how good he is to his people, how good he is to Mary herself. And it's this amazing musical moment. It's a moment where we begin to wonder, like, is this, like, is Luke, is this a musical? Right, it's that moment, it's that turn in the cartoon where you're like, hold on, they're singing in this? I gotta go, right? That's, that, for some of us, that brings a lot of joy. And so in this moment, it's, it's another kind of this t- musical moment where we're going to have another song, but as Mary's saying, or as Elizabeth is saying, his name is going to be John. They're all wondering. They're saying, but, you know, she wants to name him John, but that's wrong. Like, that doesn't make sense. There's no relatives named John. And so they go to Zechariah, and they double-check it. And they make signs to his father. They make signs to Zechariah, and they're inquiring what he wanted to name his son, and he asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote, his name is John. And they were all amazed. They were all amazed. And in fact, if we kept going in verse 64, we see that then Zechariah launches into his own song. Then he begins singing and praising the Lord about how mighty God is to save. And he starts singing about how great and mighty God is as a father over his nation Israel. It's John, it's John, and God is good. Like it's just boom. It's just big, amazing, joyous, musical moment. And if we kept going in Luke chapter 1, we would see, or end of the start of chapter 2, we'd see that Luke spends a whole whopping two verses on the birth of Jesus Christ. Only two verses on the actual birth of Jesus. Why? Because Luke immediately needs to go to another song. Like, he needs to get to another musical moment. So he sees the birth of Jesus, like, yeah, and then Jesus is born. Okay, but no one's saying. So what we're going to do is we're going to skip to this field nearby where there were shepherds living out in the field, and they were keeping guard over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were absolutely terrified. These angels are big and mighty and strong. They're, they're, they're scary to these regular people. And so the angel, in response to their fear, says, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid, verse 10. But listen carefully, for I proclaim to you good news that brings great joy to all the people. They're just continuing to share this joyous news, right? This gladness of the heart that comes from the Lord. He says, for today your Savior is born in the city of David, and he is Christ the Lord. And so this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly 
a vast heavenly army, not just one angel, but a multitude, many, many, many angels appeared with this first angel and they were praising God and they were singing, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among people with whom he is pleased. Again, Luke, is he's just writing a musical. He wanted to be on Broadway and this is what he's doing. He talks, so he describes this song that's sung by a heavenly chorus. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth among people with whom he is pleased. And so the shepherds, they hear this amazing song. They're caught up and they go and verify. They say, we gotta see this child that the angel has talked about. So they go, they find the child. They see him wrapped in cloth. They see him lying in a manger. And as soon as they see Jesus, the the promised king, the promised savior of the world, they then return glorifying and praising the Lord for all that they had heard and seen. For everything was just as they had been told. The shepherds not only experienced an incredible joy, but they began to express it and share that joy with everyone that they could find. Because that's what we celebrate at Christmas. That's what we're celebrating this morning, is that Jesus brings joy. And yet, for us, it's not always a joyous time, right? There's times in our lives, maybe even this time, where we find that our joy might be stolen, that our joy is, is under attack, But what we need to remember time and time again, regardless of what might be competing to to rob or stifle our joy, is that Jesus is, in fact, the bringer of true, lasting, holy joy. This is what Peter told the early church. He says that you've not seen Jesus Christ, but you love him. And you don't see him now, but you believe in him. And so you rejoice with an indescribable and glorious Joy, because you are attaining the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Jesus brings joy, not just because it was a miraculous birth, not just because angels were involved in the whole process. Jesus brings joy for us because we recognize that even though we don't see Jesus face to face, we still can love him and we can still belong to him. And so we can rejoice knowing that Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven and onto earth to live the perfect life that none of us could ever live. And then he died the death that we all deserved. And yet then he rose again on the third day to prove his power and authority over sin and over death, over the things that held us captive. He says, if you believe in me, if you call on me, you're free from sin, you're free from shame, you're free from condemnation, and you can be adopted out of wrath and into the family of God as sons and daughters of the Lord Most High. That is the salvation of our souls. That's the joy that Jesus brings to us even here and now. And yet, as I said, it is, it is maybe a temptation for us or it's, it's a problem for us, it's a struggle for us that our joy might be stro- stolen in different ways. It could be through our struggle with, with our calendars or with other people, with situations and circumstances in life. It's very possible that our joy is stolen by those things. And yet what we're told in Scripture is that our joy can be maintained. James told the early believers, he says, My brothers and sisters, consider it nothing but joy when you fall into all sorts of trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. James says you can have joy even in the struggle because you can trust that God is going to use it. God doesn't waste any of that. God uses this testing of your faith to produce endurance. And God is transforming you more into his likeness. He's he's shaping and molding you into being a person that belongs to him. He says, so you can have joy even in the struggle. It's, it's It's a high goal. It's a high calling. It's a difficult task. 
because you can have this joy. In fact, we're preaching through the book of James this spring. And one of the recurring themes that we see as, we've been, as I've been studying it along with our other teaching pastors is this idea of joy that can be found in all circumstances. This joy that we can have because for those of us who belong to Jesus Christ. But our joy could be stolen by those situations. It could be stolen by that struggle. In the same way, our joy can be stolen by sin, by our own inability to follow the Lord's commands. That's why Jesus, when he talked to his disciples about joy and obedience, he says they're, they're interconnected. He says, if you obey my commandments, you'll remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and remain in his love. So I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be made complete. He says, I want you to stay in the will of the Lord. I want you to obey the commands that I've given you. Because in obedience, he says, that's where joy is found. Obedience is not easy. It's difficult. He says, and yet, if you continue in obedience, if you follow the commands that I've given you, and when you fail, if you repent and and, and come back and ask the Lord to, to give you strength to go through that situation again, he says, that's where joy is found. That's where your joy will be made complete, in obedience and accordance with the will of your heavenly Father. And so for us, in this season, I have maybe a few just sort of simple, maybe goals, sort of application points that we can seek to, to really hold fast to over the next few weeks as we are in this season that, yes, is full of joy and yet is also still susceptible to struggle and to sin. And it's simply this, that we would draw near to the Lord and that we would draw others in to the joy that we have found that we would experience the joy of the presence of God, but that we would also invite others, that we would express the joy that God has given us for the sake of the world around us. And so if we're drawing near to the Lord, what that looks like is maybe we are committed to to over the next few weeks, even though schedules are gonna be wild and different, we might be traveling and things are just kind of chaotic, that we set aside time to be with the Lord in the mornings or in the evenings or in the middle of the day during rest time. Like we, we say, I'm going to set aside some time to be with the Lord. Or maybe we look for opportunities to simply acknowledge and appreciate the presence of God in our just sort of day-to-day tasks. One of the things I love about a resource that we actually just put together um, of a few of our staff members, they worked really hard and they put together this amazing kind of booklet of prayer and poems for the Advent and New Year season. And so I'd encourage you, there's a code right there on the screen that you can scan. It's on our website. It's on the front page of our website. The songs for the season that you can use. And it has ways to to reflect upon the goodness of God and to enjoy his presence as you're setting up the tree or as you're setting the table or as you're preparing to go to bed. And it is an opportunity, I think, an incredible resource when it comes to seeking to, to acknowledge and appreciate the joy of the Lord in all of our circumstances over the holiday season, over the Christmas season. That's, that's one way that we draw near to the Lord. We also should be seeking to draw others in to express the joy that we've experienced, right? And we can do this in a few ways. The first is that we could be a part of community here at Southwood. I know that some of us, maybe we just started coming over the last few weeks, and I would encourage you to look for opportunities to draw in, to, to draw near to not just the Lord, but to other people as well. In January, we'll have a three-week class called Cultivate. 
first three Sundays, starting January 8th, and it's a three-week thing where we talk about how communities should function, how healthy community grows, and what, what are the defining attributes of those small group communities. And you can come. It's your best first step in the community, small group community here at Southwood that launches you into community groups or into men's or women's Bible studies. It's an incredible opportunity to essentially just hear about what is God doing for us in community as he calls us not only to himself, but as he calls us together. We also have an opportunity to look beyond our walls and to consider how do we draw others into the joy of this season, into the joy of Christmas and the joy of salvation that Jesus brings. And so as we leave this morning, we actually have all these, these different hot chocolate or cider packets that we've wrapped up nicely with bows and attached to invite postcards to our Christmas Eve service. Our Christmas Eve is just this upcoming Saturday. And so we would love not just for you to join us at three o'clock here on Saturday, but that you would also see this as an opportunity to invite your neighbors, invite your friends, invite your coworkers. And you, it's not just an invitation. It's like, hey, you know, here's the postcard, but we also put on some hot chocolate. So you're like, oh, I wanted to give you hot chocolate and also come with me to church. Well, that'd be great. You know, like that's, it's just a way for us to extend the joy of the Lord, to extend a little bit of hospitality, recognizing that, hey, Christmas is not just for my joy. It is a joy that I don't just experience. It's a joy that I express, that I invite others into.